0: Hello and welcome to Pokésports Plus, an extra podcast by Pokésports. I'm Mike and I play with one Pokemon on the field. I'm Kevin. I play with two Pokemon on the field. And today we're joined by Joseph Ugarte, otherwise known as Joe UX9. Joe, welcome to the show. Hello. How are we doing? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you. So Joe is a, a seasoned VGC player who uh if if you've been noticing over the past uh i want to say 8 or so months you'll uh, see some of the major hits that he's been doing uh just kind of running the gambit through through regional uh, competitions or regional championships uh joe i believe you're also a streamer is that correct
1: uh yes i do stream on twitch uh, i also do make content on youtube a little like uh that one's a little inconsistent <laughs> right now but The streaming, I definitely do um, pretty often.
0: Joe, tell us a little bit about your uh, competitive history. How'd you get into Pokemon? How long have you been doing it?
1: Yeah, so uh, the story of how I got into competitive is actually pretty funny. So um, back before um, I really like played Pokemon or anything, I used to play this game uh, called Injustice 2, right? Which was a fighting game. And I was like really into it, right? And I think it was because I was still like young because like I'm, I'm 19 right now. So like I guess like how many years ago was that now like almost four or like three like so back then like i think i think like it was like one of those stereotypical like parent things like oh your grades aren't good enough so i away your games <laughs> for you to focus so my ps4 got taken away and i think i had my ds right so i started playing like sun and moon again
2: oh
0: wow
1: and then um <laughs> and then i ended up like opening youtube and seeing like uh 2017 world finals or whatever Mm-hmm. and uh i watched it and then i started watching a bunch of VDC videos i'm like oh this is really cool so i'm like so i'm like i kind of want to do this now so i started like kind of like uh you know getting the mons in game like doing all that stuff trading with people right and mm-hmm. uh it's just funny to think back to because it was just like this chance thing that like had that had my ps4 not got, uh not been taken away i don't think i ever would have like gotten into it you know <laughs> um and uh so what ended up happening was, is I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this tournament in Brooklyn, which was like, it was a 50-man PC. Uh, this was back in 2017. Yeah. I went, I like really loved it. Then I went to Hartford Regionals. I went like 4-4. It wasn't like really like overwhelming <laughs> performance or anything. But like, I really loved the game. So since then, I just was like playing it. I wasn't like super seriously competing. I don't know how do you want me to go into like how I started. Because I can like, do you want me to go through like my entire stuff? Or do you want to kind of like
0: break it down? Yeah, no, I want you to go through everything. Tell me okay. every single thing.
1: Yeah, so... Then what ended up happening was is uh, I, I kind of was jumping in between like going to some regionals, you know, and going to some locals. But mm-hmm. I wasn't like playing super consistently. And then what happened was in 2019 was really the year where I started like kind of taking stuff seriously. So um, what ended up happening was is I was um, going to a lot of locals. I went to NAIC. That was my first like real good like major performance where I got top 32 there. And uh, basically, so another chance thing that happened was mm-hmm. so... I actually was very close to quitting the game after NAIC because at the time, I was in a long-distance relationship with my ex. Uh-huh. And uh, I was going to quit so that I could get a job to uh, to be with her, right? Uh-huh. So um, what ended up happening was we broke up, which obviously, like, it, it sucked at the time, right? But what ended up happening from that is I was like, well, I'm not going to sit around and be sad. I'm like, I'm going to go compete now. Like, And now I have, like, the freedom to just go and, like, compete. So I went, like, really hard in on the season. Um, I went to... I I basically, what I said was, I was like, I'm going to get day two this year. So I just sat down. I grinded ladder for like hours. I would literally like for days in a row, just like play over and over again, like learn my team that I was using, which was Evil Dawn at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just like really grinding. So I was super prepared. And my first event was actually supposed to be Atlantic City in Ultra because I had like topped the showdown ladder right before with Evil Dawn. I was like ready to go there. And my flight ended up getting... um, My flight ended up getting uh, canceled because of Chicago weather. So it was kind of like a (laughs) heartbreaker. But then I was like, okay, now I really need to do well because like I really want to do this, you know, so I showed up to Knoxville regionals, got top four. Um, Then I went to Richmond, got top eight. Then I went to Portland, I won. And then I went to Daytona and I got finals. So I had like a really good ultra season. Mm -hmm. Um, The hard work really paid off um, and it's kind of worked into my mentality now as like a player like that this game kind of rewards you for the amount of like hard work you put into like the game, I think, and like your practice. How how do you
0: mean? um, mean?
1: So like, so like, for example, like it, like I I know a lot of people are like, oh, this game involves like a lot of luck and stuff, but like, you're going to see consistency if you really like, I think invest time into working on yourself as a player and not Mm -hmm. being like, oh yeah, this like, cause this is my mentality about the game. Like, and the way I always look at it, even if you've lost to something like hacks, like you have put yourself in that position to lose. I don't think there's ever a game or a set where you can be like, I lost a hundred percent because of hacks. Like you always put yourself in a position to lose. I think and I think like, uh as a player, your goal should be to like play as close to perfectly as possible. So like I for me, like I was and like my mentality always going into these tournaments wasn't like, um I never had the mentality of like, oh, I'm just going to uh go there and get like points, right? Or I'm mm-hmm. just gonna go there and get like CP. I was always like, I'm coming into this tournament and I wanna win. Like every single time and like And I I told myself, I'm like, I'm not happy with anything less than a win. Because I'm like, that's what I know I can do. So, like, I'm going to keep working towards that. And, like, uh, I think that's, like, obviously uh, different mentalities work for different people. But, like, that's always helped me as a player over, like, over the course of uh, how long I've been playing. Mm -hmm. So then, basically, I end up getting the travel award, which is, like, really cool. Um and uh, I end up going to... I'm supposed to go to Dallas, like Atlantic City, because of Chicago weather. I can't go to Dallas. It gets canceled. Right. I just partied that weekend instead, I think, which was fine. <laughs> nice. um, and then um, uh, what happened after that? I think uh, I went to Australia to compete, which was really fun. Uh, honestly, like that, the trip to Australia kind of like really confirmed to me. I'm like, yeah, I want to keep doing this. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, I really love like just traveling around, meeting people, spending time with people. And like... What my favorite part about this game is, is that like you just get to meet a ton of people and just like connect with them, you know, like and, and I don't think like any other game does it the same way that Pokemon does. Um, and I think that's like a big appeal to me, even just traveling in general. And then I went to Collinsville regionals, both both OCIC and Collinsville were like, OK, I wasn't really happy with it. Mm-hmm. And then Corona happened. So I was like kind of annoyed because I'm like, I really wanted to like have a good finish like I had in 2019 And like back then I was still at the level where people were kind of like, oh, maybe Ultra was his best format and like he can't really continue to perform. So like being able to like kind of like that's why I really grinded like online tournaments after because I was like, I want to like show that I'm still able to perform at this level, you know, but like that's pretty much everything leading up to like Players Cup.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I was definitely going to say uh, end of end of 2019, you finished 2019 strong and so I yeah. like just looking at your your achievements there with with Daytona Beach and Portland Regionals and and uh Pinnacle League season 1 uh anything that you can basically see on Wikipedia the second I looked at that I was like oh man uh once 2020 starts uh anybody looking at that back at the end of 2019 would have been like oh wow when 2020 starts this guy's going to be going to be killing it and then corona yeah. happens and obviously no one's going to regionals anymore and <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like oh that feels like such a such a missed uh, opportunity um so what have you been doing instead
1: yeah so you know what it is is i think corona has both been a good thing for me in a way because like obviously like the situation itself isn't a good thing Correct. right but like i think having time to like um kind of like self-reflect and kind of like look at my flaws as like a player and just like kind of working on myself and like when it like the, the way I always think of things is, like, the best way to learn is through teaching something, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a big focus of mine while like while streaming has been, like, teaching the game to people. And I think, like, since I've started doing that and since I've started streaming consistently, I've become, like, a better player for it. Because, like, it makes me more aware of, like, what I'm doing. Because, like, for example, like, even though it may just be, like, a little, like, bad mistake I make on a, uh, like, on a game for example that cost me a game right someone else is watching that and they're internalizing that they're like oh he probably made the correct play but like it just didn't work out like no I'm like I always try to like check myself and like point out where I get stuff wrong because it's like other people are watching you and they're kind of internalizing what they're watching even though it may not be like a super like conscious thing more like a subconscious thing Mm -hmm. because like I know a lot of people who uh a few subs that like talk to me and they're like yeah I go through your videos to watch how you play these teams and see how you play right And they're like, why did you do this play in this part? Because it seems like you could have done this and this better. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm like uh, and it's really good to be able to do that because I think being able to like kind of recognize your faults and like that stuff is good. And I think like for me, like streaming is like a good way to kind of like bring that kind of mentality out where you're kind of like working on yourself consistently. And like I think streaming has been like one of the best things for me as a
2: player in general and as like a competitor. I was gonna say I was watching the, the YouTube video where you talk about like how to improve as a VGC player, and something that really stood out is that a lot of VGC players would be like, oh, this is an unlucky game. Oh, you know, just trying to blame it on hacks. They think they did every play the best possible, but the, what your your perspective on it is completely different. It's uh, oh, I got hacked here, but there's something that happened this game that I could have done better. And, and that's like the the thing about VGC is it's so hard to be perfect but you always have to strive for perfection and until you hit that point you're never completely satisfied with your gameplay. And I think like that like that mindset is such a good mindset if you're just trying to to improve yourself as a player and clearly you're improving yourself as a player. You got t- like top 4 in the qualifiers for uh for the Players Cup. That's a pretty big deal in 2020.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think like that for me was like kind of the result I was like looking for cuz like One thing that, like, uh, why Players come meant so much to me, and, like, I even, like, stopped streaming as much because I was, like, really focused on getting this result. I was, like, I know that, like, I want to stream and people, like, do want to watch me, but I'm, like, I need to prioritize, like, me performing well in this tournament because, like, not only is it just a thing for, like, outside perception, but it's, like, I want to prove... To myself that i can do this you know and i'm like i'm gonna put in 110 to reach this goal what i found like so interesting about this tournament right is like it's a huge mental game because like because you have gaps in between your like uh basically in between the weeks like you really have to be like mentally like you have to like kind of like endure all the stress that you're facing right because like you could have a really good weekend where you're playing really good pokemon you go 3-0 the first week right mm-hmm. and then next week you could play really bad pokemon and just lose you know so i think like Kind of being able to like keep calm, like kind of like stay focused and like just like practice was like really like a useful skill and like not getting in your own head. Because I know like for a tournament as long as this, like if you get in your own head, it can really like hurt you, I think, in your run and everything.
0: Absolutely. Kevin, you you know all about getting in your own head for the Players
2: Cup. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically how you got out of it. <laughs> yeah. Don't change your team last minute, guys. Ad but offense. I was going to say, like, that's that's like the equivalent. Like, that gap week is the equivalent of the the lunch break in actual tournaments. There are just some players, me included, that I'll come back from lunch and completely bomb the rest of my sets. <laughs> Use momentum. Yeah. yeah, there's
0: something to be said about losing momentum.
2: yeah yeah Yeah.
1: it's so it's so funny that you're talking about last minute team changes because my team choice was actually made at like 5 a.m the day teams were due (laughs) and like this (laughs) like i was just like uh i i forgot what it was i think like literally i was just talking to uh chop another player and i was like dude i'm like this six was like top of ladder i'm like because i think it was originally like a a japanese sand team that like we saw on ladder Mm -hmm. and i was just like well, this was I, I talked to him like after. the fact, first I saw it and I was just like, "Oh, this looks fine." So then I uh, changed around the sets to what I was more comfortable with, and then I was like, "I was like, this feels really good." Because like that's the thing. Like I think you have to go with comfort, but like reasonable comfort. Like you have to use something that's still good. You know, like yeah. for example, like. I was comfortable back with, like, Gengar, Bisharp, and Series 2, but I'm not running it now because I know it's bad, you know? But, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I've also used Excadrill and Tyranitar in a lot of teams. That's something I'm comfortable with, and they're still good, and you can build around that pretty reliably, you know? And I don't think there's, like um it's so interesting because i think in competitive sometimes people get like this mentality that you have to be like super creative or make the call for players cup you know like come up with this really creative team when in reality if you give your like if you pick a team that gives you enough like options to just like win the game Mm -hmm. uh and it's like really a consistent team like that's all you need like that's what the best players do that's why you like uh when people are like oh like vgc isn't different it's not because like people aren't running like the that different teams it's because the teams that are always on top are going to be the teams that are running like consistent options. Like for example, the one I ran, like it was both me and Conan ended up making uh top four with sand. Um, right. We obviously had different versions, but like that's what ended up happening. Like
0: sand I think teams. Sa- sand teams in think, 2020. Yeah. I think
1: Dezu actually made it too um, with sand if I remember correctly Very in cool. Europe. So yeah, there was a bunch of sand.
2: What about your team? Do you think, makes it so viable for the current meta.
1: So this is what I like do. So I do like coaching and stuff. And like one thing I always tell people is like you have to make sure your teams have a lot of reliable options, right? So um I-, I know a lot of people get stuck on like this kind of idea of like you need speed control in your teams and stuff. Like I don't actually necessarily believe in that. I think teams that enable you to like function regardless of what uh necessarily like speed like speed interaction you're at. So for example if they have Tailwind up or if they have Trick Room up, like if your team is bulky enough and it can position well enough, like you don't really need speed control to be able to do that. Like obviously, yeah. there's like pseudo-speed control, and like for example, I had Dragon Dance Dragapult. I had um I airstream with my Togekiss and Airstream with my Dragapult, obviously. But like for the most part, there was no speed control really, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um for me, I was like, I want a team that's going to be very bulky. It's not going to force me to max early. So I don't need to click the dynamax button in turn one. Um, and that's like a big thing I talk to um on my stream. I'm like I think a really bad habit in this format is there are a lot of teams that rely on maxing something turn one. And if you don't capitalize off of that max, you lose way more than you gain. So, for example, like a PZ team, like if you stall out all three turns of their max successfully and they max turn one and you still have yours, they're at a huge disadvantage. Same Mm -hmm. with Cinderace, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I think like as as you're seeing, like a lot of the teams on top aren't those teams that are like really aggressive Cinderace stuff that you may have expected looking at Usage because the teams are get Obviously, there were some Cinderace, but like uh, it's not like all of them because a lot of the teams involved smart play and not necessarily just trying to blow up what's in front of you, you know, and kind of uh, positioning like Incineroar was really popular in this tournament. Why? It offers a lot of pivoting options. It has a lot of uh, ways to reduce damage. Um, For me specifically on my team, I ran Protect Incineroar because normally with Incineroar, the kind of catch with it is like, you don't have protect on it. Right. So like they can double target your incineroar pretty safely and like uh, basically guarantee like a knockout or like serious damage on the slot. Right. So the logic of protect was I was like, well, if if I have protect, they don't know for sure that they can get that damage off because now I can just protect and swap out my other like slot. So it was like kind of little changes like that on the team that like really helped me. And like for me, like uh, like this is my kind of like team checklist when I go into it. I'm like, uh, what are my focus maxers? I like having three mons and four at most that like maxing because I don't like having a lot of like conflicting like kind of choices. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. And like I like to have mons that don't rely on max. Like the only Mon that really relies on max on my team is Dragapult. Right. Like m- I'm not bringing Dragapult if I'm not maxing it. Um, but aside from that, like all my other mons are a little more flexible. Right. And then I wanted to include redirection. I had two of those. Right. I wanted to include Intimidate, which I had in Incineroar, and Stat Reduction, which was also Incineroar, and Fake Out. So it was, like, obviously the three best things about Incineroar, right? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted a decent, like, type spread to kind of, like, support Sand, because obviously Sand is a little weak to um, fighting uh, fighting moves and, like, uh, water moves. So, like, Mm -hmm. having all that redirection really helped. And then I kind of wanted to have, like, a good kind of, like... um, Like, I wanted to have, like, multiple cores in the team that I could use efficiently, right? So um i i had a really good matchup versus sun i had like a lot of flexibility with my options versus a lot of different teams and like that's what i was really looking for except the one thing i messed up on is my team has a core auto loss because i forgot to put heat wave on my kiss oh. and i didn't realize until after uh team lock was over that uh i was like if i play Corviknight, i think i just lose like <laughs> mm-hmm. like i just realized i was like oh i was like okay that kind of sucks but i was like other than that it's fine but like Yeah, I I really like my goal was with the team is like uh, basically three things. Give myself the most options possible to reduce damage and like have redirection options, protect options, all that stuff um, and avoid like too many focus maxers on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Two was just to have um, at least like uh, some form of way of like kind of like reducing like Dynamax viability. So like for for example, like sleep on the Amoongus, intimidate, redirection. Right. Those all play into it as well. Um, and then basically like, uh, my last thing was like, I want weather control in the team, which was like Tyranitar and Excadrill, which was offered with Sand. And I want like consistent maxes that are going to like have a lot of use in the tournament. So like, that's kind of like everything that went into the team. Uh, obviously it's a little more complex than that, but that's like kind of the basic like rundown of it. I think
2: now you mentioned a lot about Dynamaxes and how Dynamaxes are important and like preserving your Dynamaxes is like actually a really big deal. We spoke to Edu and he has very strong opinion on Dynamaxes. What do you think about Dynamax? Do you think they're healthy for the meta or do you think that, you know, it's just another part of the game and you just kind of have to put up with it? It's so interesting, right? Because I think in the beginning I really hated maxing,
1: but the more I think I play 2020, the more I like it. And the reason why I like it more is because it rewards smart play, right? Like um and this is the biggest thing, right? Like Dynamax at a fundamental level, right? People used to get annoyed cuz oh, they make their Pokémon big turn one and they run through you, right? But that's not that's not really in depth like how it functions uh i think there's Mm -hmm. actually a lot more depth to dynamax and uh knowing when to dynamax when it's appropriate to use it how to save it what to use it on like there's so much nuance to it i think that like makes it a very interesting mechanic like i wouldn't say it's my favorite mechanic but it's definitely grown on me over time and i think like the more i play this format and the more i invest into it the more i really like enjoy it um and honestly like i don't know how i'd feel about dynamax like later on down the line but like I always try to have like a very like open mentality towards like different formats because like the thing is is if you come in being like oh and I like I don't I was guilty of this in the beginning right but then I kind of realized like as a competitor like having this mentality of like oh I hate this mechanic you know I wish it was something else like that won't help you succeed as a player because if you just focus on that and like you really want to do well regardless like you just need to like adapt you know like that's just how Mm -hmm. it is like every format changes so it's just like for me, I was like, I'm just going to get used to it. I'm going to learn it. And the more I played it, the more I liked it. I think it's something that, like, um, for some people to grow on them. Some people may always hate it. But, like, you're going to have to deal with it if you want to be a competitive player, right? Like, that's yeah. just how it works. Um, and uh, whether, or not, <laughs> whether or not that's popular, uh, I think, like, I like for me, my belief is if they keep it, I'd be happy with it. If they don't keep it, I'd be happy with it. But that's just because like for me, like I always like want to challenge myself to learn something new. And I think like as I've continued to learn Dynamax, I've gotten a lot better with it. And like my understanding of it has improved a lot. So. Yeah, I mean, that's I guess I didn't really give a full opinion on like how it works, like mechanic wise, like how I think it affects the game. But like it's just for me, like I don't really like think about that but like like obviously i think about like how it functions in a game right but like i don't i'm not like kind of like theoring like what if it wasn't in the format cuz that's useless you know i want to do well yeah. uh and it's like for me the practical knowledge of like how do i use this tool it's like what i focus on so
0: no i agree i mean even just uh the way that the mechanic works and the way that it feels when you actually play it um you you're right it it felt very different before than it does now at this point people are experimenting with what happens if you hold dynamax what happens if you uh use max guard a little bit more often um it's especially even with the the urshifus that have just come out the people who are actually using those um when max guard is actually the right thing to to do if you're predicting an urshifu not to not to gigantamax itself um even in in singles to be completely honest um after this past weekend some of our listeners might have might have uh, listen to a story that I told about a 100 turn game that happened on on OU singles, uh, which, you know, isn't the most uncommon thing to to happen in singles these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking now that maybe Di- uh, Dynamax Gigantamax actually kind of has a place in, in 6v6 singles like it's without it, it has become a very uh, stall heavy Kind of thing, and for whatever reason, it's it's actually making me miss it. You know, having played yeah. uh, VGC as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, right? Because like the mechanic, the me- I don't think the mechanic will ever be like one where everyone's like happy with it. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that's the thing. Um, But that's that's how most mechanics are, right? A lot. of Some people were like, "Oh, I didn't like megas," like it, which it's fine. Like you know, you don't like over centralization of like some some mons, right? But like in the end, the way I look at it, like the In the end, like, when you look at the top players, right, they're always going to be running, like, the same kind of teams, right? Right. Um, They're going to look fairly similar. And the reason why is because they're consistent. And that's, like, that's, like, the main focus. So that's why, like, when Megas were around, you'd see the same Megas because those are the best options. And people who want to win are going to use the best options and get to the top with those options. Mm -hmm. So I think, like kind of it's so interesting right because in other games like uh i was i was having a conversation with someone they mentioned like something like in hearthstone like people wouldn't really get like upset if like you told them like what a meta deck is like how to use it and like tell them to use it right Right. but like sometimes in this game like you're like oh just use the standard team and people are like oh like it's not creative enough you know it's like the same mons, but like what are we coming here to do? You know, like, <laughs> we're coming here to win, you know, like I want to win. I don't, I don't care about like, uh, like, and don't get me wrong. You can be creative with like your sets and stuff, but like, I'm not, I'm not coming here to lose, you know, I'm coming here to win. Like Absolutely. I'm going to bring the thing that gives me the best chance of winning.
0: Oh no, yeah, um, for sure. And there, there is a, there is something to be said about meeting somebody halfway there with, with somebody saying, I want to play a creative uh, team, but I also want somebody to make this team for me. Well, if you really want that, then then start with something that is super focused on the meta right now. Something that is that is like really um, influential and really good uh, and then make the the subtle tweaks that you think you can and be creative that way. Um, I, I think it always starts from just playing the game. Uh, you'll mm-hmm. you'll see the gaps in your team the more that you play it. Put yeah, your I, sheer
2: force life orb all miles away, guys, please. That's it. <laughs> We've been no, saying yeah. it for I mean,
0: years.
1: <laughs> it's so it's so interesting right because sometimes i have people come into my chat and they're like oh do you think that this specific pokemon is good right or like can i make a team around it and then what i tell them is it's like don't ever focus your team building around a specific mon if it's like a very niche mon. because right. like when niche mons are useful it's usually on a very standard team that has like a lot of like use but it has an issue with something specific right Uh so for example goregeist you saw a lot of it at ocic right it basically came out of nowhere why was goregeist on edu's team uh trick-or-treat for tyranitar to remove its fighting weakness otherwise the team would have had a little more difficulty with conkelder for example right Mm -hmm. so like it's like a smart little like change right that uh, like kind of makes your team better but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good on every team and that's kind of like how I think these niche mons work. And when you try and build around something, you're kind of like over centralizing your idea around like trying to accommodate everything for this specific Pokemon to where you're not taking like the greater kind of like scheme of like everything you'll play like into like mine, you know, mm. it's kind of so like working backwards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it should always start from like, what is a consistent uh, kind of like group of mons I can use together that will net me success. Right. For example, Amoongus and very common pair, very good. Y reduces damage, has redirection, puts stuff to sleep, has disruption. Um, Togekiss Exedril Y support for Exedril, can freely, all that, all that kind of stuff. You know that like plays into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like just using like proven mons at the start too also lets you understand what makes those mons good, so that you can incorporate that into your own team building when you're trying to be creative later on down the line.
0: So agreed, agreed. And with that, let's take a little break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about tournaments. That is going to be the entire second half. Uh, We're going to speak about the Players' Cup. I want to talk about this X9 Streamer Cup. Uh, We're going to be talking about all that when we come back from the break. Welcome back to PokéSports Plus and our conversation with Joe UX9. Uh, Joe, let's talk about the Players' Cup uh so as it stands right now you are in the the top four by the time that people listen to this uh players cup will be over
1: yeah i mean uh it was kind of crazy getting there to be honest uh it was it was a long uh journey i will say that especially because of like having the gaps in between the weeks like uh as i mentioned before it's a mentality thing right but uh, it definitely felt like really good when it was over and I made it because I was like finally like after all these weeks of like worrying a little bit you know or like stressing out a little bit like I'm like now I can just relax and like take it easy you know because like I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like it, it really did feel like uh, basically like a marathon kind of of uh, Pokemon. I think it was much different than like uh, the usual tournaments you're kind of dealing with.
0: So so tell us a little bit about how uh, how the the structure worked. How did you uh, yes. Go through that?
1: Yeah, so um, the way the way it worked uh, structure wise was um, essentially essentially how it worked is double elimination, right? So uh, if you lose really early, you're gonna be playing a lot of Pokemon, um, mm-hmm. like a lot, a lot. So it's really a worthwhile to not lose early on. Um, and basically the way it works so double elimination. Uh, if you lose in winners bracket, obviously you get sent to losers. Um, then you play out losers, and then if you get you lose again, you get eliminated. And as best of three. So basically, um, in terms of structure, it was broken down into three weeks. So we had three rounds on the first week, uh, two rounds, second week, and then two rounds. If you're, uh, and this is all assuming you're, uh, in winners, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then two rounds last week, assuming you win. And then if not, you have more matches. So, um, for me, my personal run was, uh, with week one. Uh, what ended up happening was is i just uh, went 3-0 the first uh, week i was like pretty happy with my performances we can go through matches if you want or like i can tell you guys about that but um, the second week i ended up going 2-0 as well um i pulled two pretty good matchups for me so it wasn't too bad And then, um, the last week I actually lost my first, first match. So I got sent to losers and then I just went out like three from there and made it in. So it was, it was a long run, but it was, it was a, it was like a good tournament in general. I felt really good about my play, like during the entire tour,
0: except for my loss. (laughs) Did you find that there were a lot of, of games kind of packed into, into one day or did you feel like they were spaced out well enough?
1: Not, not, not too much to be honest. Like for me, like, but that's just because for me, like, uh, in week one, I had a total of what? I think I went six and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played like two extra games, I guess. Uh, so like I played basically eight games. It didn't feel too bad. Like it felt pretty doable. Then the next week uh, where I got like two wins in a row as well. Uh, that one, I actually went two zero both games and they they were pretty like ma- good matchups for me. So I just kind of like swept. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't really like uh that bad for me. Like I felt like I was done in like an hour and a half. I was just like, oh, okay, oh, that's wow. it. You know? Um. And then, uh, the last the last one was like definitely the more of the marathon because um four matches obviously and like when three of those are like when you're on the chopping block you know you're kind of like it adds a new layer to like your play i think and like how you're kind of like viewing things Mm -hmm. Um, how do you
0: feel that you you perform under that kind of pressure do you
1: oh i think i think it made me play better honestly um yeah yeah because i know normally people like kind of let that stuff stress them out but like um one thing that is kind of like a common theme throughout like losers bracket anyways people play like a lot more scared and safe than they do in winners right because at least when you're in winners you can be you can afford to take risks right Mm -hmm. um and I think that was my biggest like flaw in like uh my first set um of like uh this past weekend because for me I was like well I was like I played really safe versus a guy and I got punished like every single turn so I'm like I'm gonna start taking risks when I play you know and like Uh, This is something you'll actually end up uh, maybe seeing on the um, Pokemon channel. But my winning in versus Ezreal, I think, was like a really good good, uh, indicator, I think, of kind of uh, the riskier play I was going with uh, towards the end. Because I was like, you kind of need to make these reads on your opponent to be the one who comes down on top, right? You need to be the one who's like really making those risks. Because if you don't take those risks and you play safe, especially if you have like kind of a neutralist matchup, it takes like one better call from them to like beat you as opposed to if you're keeping them on their toes and like making them question like every
2: play you know um so so when it comes to like making the risky plays, how did that come into effect with you knowing your opponent's team and you knowing your opponent knows your whole team like did that make a big difference in your play style? Yes
1: yeah so for me like i brought a team too that like it didn't really matter if they knew my info um that's mm-hmm. like that's kind of the main thing i think with players couple like all people try to bring creative teams that like once they know your info it kind of like sucks you know yeah so i was just like i'm like i'm not gonna bring a team that relies like like they c- so for example like my team was pretty standard like sand right but like them knowing that and them knowing my sets doesn't really matter like uh maybe with, like my lum is kind of an important thing to know but like it doesn't change anything if they have to bring a moongus to the matchup they still have to bring a moongus you know it just sucks for them um and that was kind of like the way i kind of like thought about uh my team in general and like seeing my opponent's team actually i think benefited me more than them Mm -hmm. because uh being able to like i think versus sand you always have like a specific game plan right but uh like because it's a common team and that's just normally how it works but like for people bringing like uh, more unique teams or teams like I wasn't as familiar with from ladder, for example, when I saw when I saw the like team sheets, all the info and everything, it gave me this kind of like uh, I think leg up almost because like even though they are getting my info, too, I think I'm benefiting more from their information than they're benefiting from mine. Right.
0: Because people bring the um, the unique teams versus you're bringing a, a sand team like that is that is. Yeah, and it's by and large a yeah. sand team.
1: Yeah, exactly, and like, uh, I, cause, and to pro- I was actually having a talk about this with another um, streamer, and we mm-hmm. were talking about it on their stream. They disagreed with me. They think that like um, it gives the uh, opponent more of an advantage, but like for me, I was like, well, I was like, okay, what's usually on Exodril? And they're like, Head, Earthquake, Swords Dance, uh, Protect. I'm like, okay, you just name my Exodril set, right? <laughs> and then like I was just going through it, like one by one, and they were just naming all my sets. I'm like, this is exactly what I mean. Like, you already know what I'm running before I even like tell you, you know? So like. It doesn't it doesn't hurt me for them to like see my stuff if they already know it. Um, right.
0: You're not you're not good. You're not going to run into the, the situation where uh, a Pokemon that you're facing has a move that you had no idea was actually going to be on that Pokemon. You have that all. Exactly. Uh, well, the
2: Dyrannitar um, has a weakness policy. No yeah. way. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, I doubt I doubt you'd be surprised by that. You I, know? It's, um, through
0: this, I've kind of uh, come to appreciate open book a little bit more. Uh, just because it it turns the game into such a like chess match almost like you know exactly what the the opponent's working with and you're just trying to to you know use your brain. Yeah.
1: You no. Understand? I mean, I made more reads. I think because of the information I had, sure. as opposed to like if I didn't, you know, um, I think I would be playing a lot safer if I didn't have the info I did. Um, but with having like that info for me, like as a player, like that it benefited me. Um, I like that's how I feel. Um, and I was having this talk like. I think like the info knowledge benefits uh like the better players more than it benefits like the the players who like are kind of starting out or like not as like kind of like not not at the level of like the high level players, right? And the reason why is because um I think like for example, right, at a local, um someone's running a team that's like unique, they're creative, they put some tech on the team, right? And you're playing against a really like uh like high level player, right? They obviously know all their options, they know what to do, but you have like the surprise move on your Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. And like you catch them off guard and you kill them with this move. Cause they weren't expecting it. Right. Like that inherently will benefit like the more like casual player. You could say it word it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And like, that's so like, that's kind of my view on like teamless. Like, and this is, I feel like this is something like uh people that are like better at the game are scared to say like, like I like the open team sheet because it benefits me as a player, but overall for the casual scene, I think it's worse. Um, And I think it like, may hurt the player base a little bit more right but when you get to the level of like where you're a higher level player it'll benefit you more so it kind of like encourages you to get to that level almost you know what i mean like it's kind of like a trade-off almost i do
0: um i do i mean there's there's such a um the in the transition from going for from casual to to professional pokemon um when I think of a casual player, I think of they're just starting to understand what a best of three is. Uh, they're trying to see what the difference between a best of three and a best of one is uh, because mm. it is completely different uh, when you're not just going after, you know, random people on battle stadium. Now you're going against the same person oh, with the same team, making changes in the second game, making changes in the third game. Uh, and then you're, you, you know, once you're kind of familiar with that and you're a little bit more seasoned in your, in your tournament play, then mm. that's when you start to realize like, okay, there there are like legit sets here that I will see in every single tournament. Um, and there are things that people will throw onto their Pokemon to to really like throw a wrench in your plans. Uh, Whimsicott's a major Pokemon for that. You can basically throw like six or seven different sets moves, on yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's the
1: four move, oh yeah, we call it the four move slot syndrome. Right. Uh, right. That's that's what it has, yeah.
0: Exactly. And then when you move into professional, that's when you start to see uh you know the 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 ways that an open book will actually help you is so you're like oh wow these these pokemon have these sets i don't have to worry about this i don't have to play as scared as i normally would have because these pokemon are are you know just there in front of me
1: yeah i mean uh one question i have for you guys actually what do you think is the most important move in pokemon
0: i you know what uh kevin what do you think i will say i know what i think you'll say
2: Okay. What do I think you'll say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll start.
0: I, I'm pretty sure that Kevin's going to say protect.
2: It is protect. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mike right. will say expanding force. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say and I'll say protect. Yeah. So I actually think uh,
1: <laughs> I actually think it's funny because um, sometimes you know, like as uh, as you're looking at like competitive, right? Like some people will be like, "Oh, this move's the best move" or something. Like some people say rock slide, right? But like. Oh yeah. I just think the option of protect on almost every single Pokemon is always a good thing. Like there are very few Pokemon you can name where protect isn't beneficial on it. Right. Um, like for even whimsicott, right? Like most people will try to abuse whimsicott by faking out and air streaming it. Right. Mm-hmm. By mm-hmm. having protect you, you literally, uh, just deny them that option, um, immediately. And like, even, even on like support Mons, it makes like so much sense. So I think like, that move in general like just in competitive i think like it's funny because when i look at like more uh like beginner teams and like sometimes i go through the reddit i like try and give feedback to like help newer players out right mm-hmm. um and i see on a lot of teams like there's no protect and i'm like it's sometimes like i, I call it the protect test right if your team has four <laughs> protects you're probably doing it a little bit better than at least everyone else right, right. like obviously mons are dependent but like Um, That's kind of like when I'm like looking at teams and like people who are like building teams that kind of like is indicative of like, I think the level of building you're at a little bit because like when you give yourself more of those options, it's helping you obviously like some really aggressive teams don't need as much protect on them. But like most of the time when you have a lot of them, it's a sign of an optimal team, you know,
0: let's dip into that a little bit more um, because I'm I'm just thinking about the fact that so you you also uh, are, are a coach. Uh, Kevin, you've been, you've been doing uh, coaching yourself for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm curious from both of you, actually, what is the first thing that you, you would typically tell somebody that you're, you're basically seeing for the first time you're, they've, they've come to you for help. What is the first thing that you're trying to assess?
2: Well, for me, first thing I do is I try to, I try to gauge their play style. Mm-hmm. Um, once they tell me, I mean, there's some people that are like, okay, I like to play hyper-offense. I like to play defense. I like to play trick room. And there's some people that are like, I don't know. I'm 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 just kind of an open book. I'm ready to try this out. And that's why I'll go down the line, just grab a whole bunch of top teams, one of each, you know, different archetype, and then just seeing what they perform best with. Mm. I do like to, to try to let them make a lot of the moves on their own. And I just kind of gauge whether or not they... Are making the right ones, but I think going back to the protect, uh, like little protect, uh, protect talk. Mm-hmm. It takes a, a pretty seasoned player to understand why protect is so good, Absolutely. because at, at first, especially players that usually come from like a singles background, like protect ain't that great in singles, but you know once you get to doubles, it's so crucial because there's so many more targets on the field.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, when I'm doing coaching, right, um, actually where I start, so I don't I don't actually start with like play style stuff because I I ask like a few questions to get a little more familiar of like what they've been playing with. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's always been about like um, the way you're able to use your team is like when you start with it in the team builder. Right. So like even though we may be using a standard team, I still go through the entire build process with them. So usually like the first hour that I do with people is almost fully dedicated to the actual team building aspect. And it's because when you're directly involved in the process, for example, even if it's a standard team, right? When the options are being explained to you and the way you're breaking it down, the way you're EVing everything, it makes a lot more sense, right? So um, through coaching, I'm always like, okay, so we have this Pokemon, right? And I ask them, I'm like, what are the issues that this specific Pokemon has, right? Then they give me all the issues. Right. I'm like, OK, so how do you th- what do you think are good ways to address this? Right. Sometimes I'll give like like crazy niche Pokemon <laughs> and other times I'll give like a standard choice that I agree with. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, even so if it's like a crazy niche Pokemon, I'm like, well, I'm like, you need to look at this a little more objectively. Right. Like what Pokemon will solve this issue while not just looking for something that you like uh, immediately, like something that like just uh, like that you just like looking at, you know, like aesthetically, like it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, what? fills this job in the best possible way for the team, right? And uh, and then we kind of go through it like that. So I usually go six mons first with them, right? So we get all the mons together so we can kind of go through everything, abilities, all that stuff. And then I break down moves because I think you do always do moves second because moves are kind of like how you fix some inherent issues with your team, right? If you're having a difficulty with a certain matchup, having a specific move helps you. Right. And like kind of going through those one by one to kind of like break it down on a fundamental level to them. And then after that, right, you go through items because if you start putting items early, you can end up in a situation where you're like, oh, I want to put an item on this and that, you know, and like you don't know which one to do, where if you had taken the time to just go through it step by step, you kind of understand like how you want to like kind of like balance out the items throughout the team. And right. then finally, I end up by just teaching them how to do like um I teach them how to do EVs in like a way that's like, optimal if you don't have any specific damage calculations in mind so there's like a lot of nuanced things that go into it um and i'd love to talk about this again with you guys at some point but like there's like a ton of like nuanced parts of like eving i think that like don't really get talked about because like sometimes you know you like you're in that situation right where you like just want to jump on ladder but you don't want to have to make a complicated ev spread right right but like, 90 percent of the time like and this is this is something like there's a more optimal way to have a decent ev spread without like 252 252 get on ladder you know Mm -hmm. um and like that's a big thing i try to teach players because even though it's not like the most in-depth like ev like kind of like uh teaching you know it's like at least i'm giving you something to work with so you're not going on with like a team that's like suboptimal for no reason you know like at least have it as optimal as possible before you're thinking about specific things you want to live or deal with right and then like if people have those ideas we talk to them we kind of go through it and for EVing specifically I can give like a little thing on the process like usually the way I break it down is speed then it's your boosted stat when you're EVing and then it's a bulk as your last like Mm. that's usually the way I break it down and if boosted stat is your bulk or or your speed then obviously you do that first and then you do the rest so
0: So when you say
2: boosted stat that's kind of the way I break it down
1: um, like nature, uh, like nature, Got that's it. like so, for example, modest, yes. right? So uh, you do your speed first because speed is like kind of that thing that like you can't really work around. like if you need to hit a certain speed tier, you need to like know how much EVs you're working with after that. Yeah. then uh, on your boosted sat so um I could I could talk about this a little bit. So on your boosted sat there's always a part when you're scrolling through the EV scrubber. you guys can do this later. I don't know if you know about this, but um basically there are certain like increments where you get a specific like two-point bump instead of a one-point bump mm-hmm. from your ev investment it being level 50, and right. basically by optimizing to um hit those right you're at least uh like you're giving yourself like a solid investment right that's still getting a lot out of that investment mm-hmm. while leaving yourself evs to invest in the rest for example if you want more bulk right so you may not want to fully invest into special attack you may want to have some bulk so you can, you can just hit one of those increments and then put the rest into everything else. Interesting.
0: So um, there are all these stop gaps for figuring out when to, you know, uh, put in a, a tiny bit more than you're, than you're really trying to invest uh, to. And then also getting what you, what you need in terms of speed or attack or defense or whatever you're yeah. actually trying to. Mm-hmm.
2: And explore.
1: the only like main exception to it really is just like, if you're trying to hit a specific damage calc, then obviously you need to just invest however much it takes. Right. Um, But, like, yeah, that's normally, like, how I would kind of, like, break it down. It's, it's like, a little bit easier when you visualize it. For, like, the people listening, like, uh, later on, like, maybe what you do is just go into, like, uh, I'll give an example Pokemon, right? So, go to Tyranitar, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you invest, so let's say you go Adamant, right? Uh, Adamant Tyranitar, if you invest up to uh, 44 EVs, so if you look at the difference from 36 to 44 EVs on Adamant Tyranitar... You'll see it Mm -hmm. goes from 174 to 176. And then if you keep scrolling it, you'll see like two point bumps as you scroll up. Like that's that's what I'm referring to. Um, Mm -hmm. And like those are the kind of bumps you want to keep in mind when you're like EVing.
0: I think
2: I didn't know that. (laughs) I know. I do.
0: (laughs) So then let's let's move on to uh, the streamer cup, the X9 streamer cup. Uh, So this is the the second one, I believe, starting on August 1st. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yes it will be on august 1st saturday 2 p.m est beautiful tell me tell me about that yeah so um basically um initially the idea started out as um i was talking to another streamer and i was just like it'd be cool if we could all like do kind of like a tournament thing you know just like a small tournament thing for fun with all the streamers right and uh the first one ended up being really cool like obviously we had like ashton colin um necra it was me um, Jen and like a few other people. Right. And like, it was a really cool idea. And, um, I actually, so, um, I had done a merch line a little bit ago mm-hmm. and, um, my friend who like did, uh, the design with me and everything. Um, he's, I've been friends with him since, uh, basically middle school. Oh. So, um, and he's like a really good graphic designer. So I was like, Oh dude, like I was like, I'd love for you to do my like graphic design work, dude. Right. Um, so I started working with him really closely and, uh, I was thinking about it. I was like, honestly, like series five doesn't have that many events. So I'm like, Why not just like run a really cool like like a second version of the streamer cup and like really like invest a lot into it to make it like cool, you know, for like people to watch and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I talked to uh, my friend Jack, who's uh, also does my graphics now. And I was like, dude, I was like, "Uh, would you be fine? Like if we like uh, work through this, like made like kind of designs and everything and like kind of like got players involved and like make it a bigger thing. Right. You see, like I tweeted out now, like every few days um i like kind of show up the players and like what's cool about it is it's like i think with this game sometimes uh it's very easy to like kind of isolate yourself within this like click or like this kind of like group right absolutely um and kind of trying to like reach out to all these streamers and like bring all these different audiences together has been like a really cool experience and like i was just like i kind of want to do something uh in the community right that like isn't just me like laddering on battle spot and like talking to my uh viewers and it's not that that's a bad thing you mm-hmm. know but like i want to do more for the community than just like that you know so i was like i think this is a really cool idea the first time it went really well so i'm like now i think we can do it on a bigger scale right involve a lot more people and it'll be really cool um since this is coming out later i can actually talk about this pretty freely but um we got like some really cool people involved like Sierra she's new into VGC right she's a new uh mm-hmm. she's like obviously a very like well-known content creator um we have Aaron in, which is really cool. Um, he he agreed to join and like just getting like all these bigger content creators into the kind of group and the streamer cup and just being able to kind of uh just kind of like grow, like not necessarily like grow the VGC scene, but there's some audience, like people who watch those streamers who aren't necessarily as involved in VGC, right? right. And like by reaching out to those audiences, you're maybe like growing the game a little bit because more people are seeing it and they're like, Oh, this is really cool. Maybe I want to try this out at some point. And like having the bigger streamers in there is cool because you know, it also kind of like helps like all the streamers kind of like have their audiences mix a little bit. And you know, like everyone is like friendly with each other. Everyone's really nice. Um, And like, I've had nothing but good interactions with like everyone I've asked. So um, it's just like a really cool thing, I think for the community in general, and just a way to just kind of bring everyone together and just like play Pokemon, you know? Um, and it's pretty competitive, too, because like we have a lot of good players there. So Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it for sure.
0: Yeah. So um, comparing that to the first uh, Streamer Cup, um, wh- what were some of the things that you learned, I guess, from that that you're, you're uh, applying in this one?
1: Um, one thing that I didn't like about the first one, I, it was just kind of announced like the day before. Cause like, it was just something we did on a whim. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, uh, being able to hype it up a little more now and just like having that like fun of like, you know, like people don't know, cause like, obviously I can talk to you guys freely about it, but like, um, on like Twitter, like you don't know who the last few people are going to be, right. you know? Uh, and just like kind of like hyping that up and slowly adding them on, I think is really cool. Right. Because it's like, um, you're getting people excited for this kind of, um, like event that just brings the community together and i think like what i learned was is just like uh for me especially like i think after this one like i'm just gonna go fully into the more like uh managing or like the running aspect of like the tournaments and just get like more streamers in because i'd rather like not be involved and just like not be involved as in like playing and just like run them Mm -hmm. and like get more people involved because i think like that benefits the community more than just like i I feel like like it's not that it's like selfish but like i I just don't want to like uh, force myself in there if like I can get more people from like uh, you know from Pokemon that like want to play and that's fine oh, like I don't mind stepping out Um and I think like as this thing continues to grow because uh, I definitely want to run this again as long as uh, this next one goes well Um I think like it'd just be a really cool thing to just continue to just like grow and expand like as as the scene grows as well and I think it's just like a really like cool event and I think like what I learned from the last one is there was definitely interest but like I needed to put more time and like effort into making sure that it was like a really like bigger thing, you know, and like Mm -hmm. actually had like kind of more production value behind it, I think. Um, And that's kind of what I've been like trying to focus on for this one. So it's cool. Like uh, we got, we got a lot of, uh, we got a lot of like cool people in there and I'm like really excited to work with them. A lot of them I already work with. So it's like, it's really nice to just like have them involved, you know, and just like be able Mm -hmm. to show off good Pokemon. Like that's, that's what it is, right? That's, that's (laughs) all that um, it is.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And so, again, just for the people, uh, this is starting August 1st, right? So by the time this yeah. actually comes out, uh, we'll we'll be in full swing.
1: Yeah, it'll have passed, actually, I'm pretty sure, because uh, it's just a one-day double elimination tournament. So it's like, we'll um, tweet it but out. obviously, it's going to be going for a while. So <laughs> it'll be like going for the entire day on Saturday, pretty much. Amazing. So it so, should be a good tournament, though.
0: So before we end, I do want to bring in one extra question uh, just mm-hmm. for the the people in the audience who may be struggling right now to get into VGC, because obviously VGC is the main uh, game format for Pokemon. Uh, there are a lot of people in the singles audience who haven't really given VGC a chance or or haven't given it a try uh, because they are uh, a little intimidated of the format. What is a piece of advice that you can give to anybody who's wanting to start VGC now in 2020.
1: Yeah. um, Biggest thing I'd say, use your resources and be smart about what resources you choose. Mm. So um, a big thing that I think uh, is very important to analyze when you're looking at, certain content creators, right? So, and this isn't to take a dig at, um, Aaron or Wolf, you know, I think they're both very accomplished players. They're very good players, you know, um, they've obviously established themselves because they're very good players. Right. But like, as you're, as you're seeing as like the content creators are getting bigger, um, I think you're like, for example, like Wolf's channel, right? Like his, his videos are optimized towards what a lot of people want to see. Right. Which is like, uh, like cool Pokemon, whatever on a team. Right. Yeah. So for example, Palasan, right. Something like that. but, Um, those teams don't necessarily offer you anything competitively right in Mm -hmm. terms it's a fun team right it's a fun team to run but it's not going to give you an advantage competitively so i think like really like kind of looking for uh streams that break down pokemon in an intuitive way where you watch it right and you're like i'm learning something from this i'm learning his thought process right he's explaining to me why this team is good using like teams that don't just have like a special pokemon on it but have like, a very proven, consistent, like, um, functionality to them. Mm-hmm. Um, taking advantage of Twitter, right? Um, the extra, like, team resources you have there um, through streams. Like, stream- obviously, try to rely on streamers who have, like, a little more results. And that's not to say, like, it can't be uh, other streamers, right? Because, like, everyone has their own merit, right? Yep. There's some people who are just really good at playing online and just haven't gone to many tournaments, and that's fine. But, like, be selective about who you're going to for like information and all that stuff, because it's very easy. I think, especially with like so many people getting into content creation now by to get like misinformed by people who don't know as much as like maybe some of the players you want to be learning from. Right. You know, there are people who will uh, give out
0: the wrong information, but say it so authoritatively that it almost seems like that is the only answer.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, You know i always encourage people so this is something that i I find so interesting i think some streamers and like people are just afraid to do this because like obviously it's like they want to build an audience that's like kind of like focused on them right but sometimes like even when coaching like people will be like oh yeah i'm sorry but like i'm I'm also doing coaching with someone else i'm like don't be sorry for that man like (laughs) that's great that's a good thing i'm like that's a good thing i'm like you shouldn't just be relying on me for information i'm like you should be trying to like find multiple ways of information that help you out as a player right because if you just trust everything I tell you and I give you the wrong information, right? Like who's going to, you know, like who's going to check me, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm and like, that's the thing. I always encourage people. Like, even when I offer like my opinions and thoughts, I'm like, don't be afraid to watch other streamers too. I'm like, I don't get offended. It's fine. Like I get it. You know, you want to watch other people as well to learn something from. And I think like people are afraid to say this stuff because like, obviously they want to keep their audience, right. They want to retain their viewers, but like, It's it's important too to encourage like people to really just like think for themselves and just kind of find what works for them, you know, because like the way I teach people won't work for everyone. And the way that someone else like talks about Pokemon won't work for everyone. Everyone learns differently. Um, And I really think that like Amon's like I said in the beginning of this, I think it was like one of the first things I said, I think Pokemon itself your results are really indicative of the effort you're putting towards the game, right? Because, like, you can say, oh, I'm, I'm working really hard. I'm using all these rental codes from streamers, right? And you're like, I am on ladder, right, playing Master Ball, and, like, I'm doing badly. But are you really taking time after you lose those games to look through your games and see uh, what you could have done better in one of those five turns, you know? What you could have done to not put yourself in that situation where, like, you got Rock Slide flinched, right? What you could have done to not have something unfortunate happen to you or could I have led better? Is it a team issue? Is it a playing issue? Right. Where are the issues with this team or is it with me? Um, And I think like all these things are very important because I think like Pokemon is a huge test of like yourself, your self analysis almost. Right. Because like in the end, the person who's going to be like fixing your mistakes is going to be yourself. Um, Obviously, you can get help, but it's primarily going to be you right um and i think like i didn't mean to go into like a long-winded thing there but that's just kind of like how i view i think just learning the game in general and just like using your resources
0: all right and with that i will let that be the final word from joe ux9 the final thought uh before we end off completely though joe where can people find you
1: yeah, so um I do have a YouTube. I do uh YouTube, YouTube I make content. I'm actually going to be posting all my players cup stuff there once like uh the last stream happens. Right. So um it'll it'll be a lot more active after this, but um for the most part I stream every Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday um on Twitch. I have a Discord as well linked to my um uh Twitch channel as well. Um also for all like of my subs, I also do have uh coaching that I do every Friday, so it's like a public session with all like subscribers. Um, so that's like a fun resource to use if you have like the extra prime or something. And uh, I also do private coaching as well. Um, and that's pretty much it. Oh, and Twitter. I, I sometimes tweet funny things or important <laughs> things. So I guess go. that's, I guess that's good to
2: check out. <laughs> Beautiful. Kevin, where can people find you? X reservation, Twitter and Instagram.
0: And then of course you can find me at still just Mike on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the podcast anywhere you find your podcasts at PokeSports podcast, PokeSports, a competitive Pokemon podcast, <laughs> Uh, find us on YouTube at PokeSports or on Patreon and Instagram, Instagram at Uh Guys, we will see you in the next episode. Joe, again, I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on, just being such a wealth of knowledge uh, for Pokemon. You are a a, a real treat. and We want to have you back sometime.
1: No, for sure. Thank you for having me on, man. Appreciate it, as always.
0: All right, everybody, we will speak to you next time. See you then.